0: Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your host, Dr. Chrissy Rankin,
1: physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy.
0: And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher.
1: We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern, evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey.
0: Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination assessment and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started.
1: So we thought we'd talk about what did I learn going through a pandemic. And um, lots of and you yeah, had great prompts. Um if you don't have them, I, I do have them if we want to go through them. Yeah, I see. Thank you for for putting them in there too. I always think. When something oh, happened okay. to learn from it, what went well and what didn't, you know, what would I do differently to have a better outcome if I if I ever go, if it ever happens again. The, you know, I've applied it to um, the clinical setting. I'm always learning with patients. So uh, you know, it's a good question for the pandemic. What did we, what did we learn going through it? And one thing's for sure. It you know, the going through it versus the looking back, you really get a sense of that mm. hindsight is 2020. Absolutely. Yeah. Um I think in the middle of it, there was this idea of there's some best way to go through this. And now when I look back and I see how like all the different countries, um, you know, they all had slightly different approaches to how they went through it with a whole bunch of a whole variety of outcomes and i don't even think you can say what's the best outcome
0: and i think part of that is not only um like it, we can't take like each country as a as a what it, each country is like a microcosm but we also have to think about like what their culture is what their history is what their belief system is with like the government and science and like access to information, and you know there's you can't put apples to apples with those. you know, everyone is so different. It's more like apples, oranges, and pineapples, right? So, um, it is like we truly couldn't go compare to somebody else, and especially with how large our country is versus other other countries, yeah, in terms of um population, right? like um it would be really hard to look at at who we think, did it right? Who did it wrong? And then compare. Cause I don't think that's really going to happen.
1: Yeah. And there, there probably isn't a right and wrong. No. Just try to get through it. And, mm-hmm. and then compassion for, gosh, we just went through a very hard time. There was a lot of loss, lots and lots on many levels. I'm, you know, I think of one friend whose son died of a drug overdose that, during the pandemic during that very early phase of lockdown and there was a lot of that going on and the repercussions of of um you know all the the mental um strain of the process Mm -hmm. that we're we're still living with so I think one thing I learned was to be more compassionate and understanding of how limited our view is and that we're all trying to do the best that we can, that it's okay to have boundaries too. Cause I think, you know, I during it, I look back at some of my behavior. I'm not quite proud of <laughs> that, you know, under that, that, was under stress. And I just kind of like mm-hmm. ex- exploded a couple of times. Um, and I realized it's because like, I wanted to be able to give people what they wanted, and I could not. The reasons I could not was I was concerned for my own safety and well-being. Um, and
0: there are so many layers, not only to your justification of of whatever your belief system is or how you handled things, and which is everybody, right? Like, everyone right. handled it based on their belief systems but also like what's at stake. Like some people are super, super healthy and they're like, Oh, like I'm not too worried about it. Mm -hmm. Other people um, opposite where maybe they're not as healthy and they're really worried about it. And then for you too, like you have a business that has been around for over 20 years and you have 10 plus employees. Most of them been with you also for 10 plus years.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: you know, you're, you have a, a big stake in a lot of people's lives, and um, not only in a physical health way, but also financial and and social. And you know, there's a lot of extra stress that you put on yourself, and also that you uh, consumed because um, you were kind of this central figure in this culture that we have at the clinic, and that's that's so difficult. Um, you know, I'm sure if you talk to every small business owner, just in the Tri Cities alone, you know, had something like that going on as well, and yeah, um, it makes co-regulation or makes like your ability to to regulate yourself a lot harder. Yeah,
1: yeah. So just being able, I think, one of the lessons is is having uh, grace for myself and giving myself more space. So I think actually after one of the explosions, I was like, okay, I can't do that. That's my, that's my one and done. I can't make that a regular thing. Mm -hmm. So I started taking like a long weekend every, every month. And I've continued to do that. Even if I'm just in town and just doing an administrative day and not patient care, and it makes a big difference. So I think that continuing to give ourselves space. It goes back to your comment
0: about boundaries. Like you just had briefly said it and then didn't quite elaborate on it. And that's the elaboration yeah. of boundaries. Like it boundaries looks different for everybody. It could be an actual physical situation where you put yourself in a different room for the weekend or a hotel for the weekend, or it could be, <laughs> um, I'm not doing patient care today. I'm just doing admin work. It's also like putting boundaries up on what you talk about, right? Like stopping conversations that also are like two things, like one that make you uncomfortable and two, like, you know, it's not going to go anywhere, right? Like we should be able to have tough conversations, but sometimes you can read the room and it's like, if we're not going to really be productive with this conversation, I don't really have this tough conversation today. Okay. Um So their Boundaries look so different from a variety of ways. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. um, some people's boundaries, um, it, it was hard in their relationships that maybe they actually lost relationships. Like, they completely are no contact with certain people in their life um, just because either boundaries were too harsh and um, unrealistic or um, they are realistic, but the other people in their lives like couldn't couldn't respect those boundaries, and so um, I know a lot of people's families and relationships like changed after all of this too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think um, to to further that, like some of the practicalities, it's like I would remind myself: people are here for therapy; they don't really care about my opinion about coronavirus or whatever, you know, that I would bring myself back to talking about therapy and not mm-hmm. spend time on, um, the virus, which I think in the beginning, I was talking a lot about it because it was stressful. Um, so just mm-hmm. that lesson of remember what we're, what we're here for. And it's okay to not talk about the elephant in the country <laughs> we can talk about what we're here for um the i think another thing i took away from it was to recognize my bias and that you know wh- that we had a very the word conservative comes to mind but um th- what i mean by that a conservative bias in that because the clinic deals with a lot of people with autoimmune problems or reduced immunity. Uh, we ran a very tight ship, very demanding about masking, and we're we're mm-hmm. still masking. Um, so come April 3rd, the state of Washington has said that masks will no longer be required in health facilities. So um, we're going right up to that line and we actually might go beyond that line. Um, because. Uh, so I recognize that's a very, you know, I'll say conservative view, but I. Um, it's because of our context. And I appreciate that, like you said, hey, younger people, very healthy people may not feel that same threat I felt because of our setting. And I think mm-hmm. during the pandemic, there was a a sense of betrayal when the whole group dynamic did not get behind like masking recommendations. So that was a whole different, um, a different thing, though, like because I, I now I can appreciate that people felt like this is overkill. I don't need to go that far.
0: it. it, it- brought me up to the the youtube video that you showed me of the z dog guy of talking about like the elephant and the rider and how um like there's five or six different um more like morality complexes that we have and okay. it depend and which one that you is like your ruler or like you like the morality complex is is the elephant, and then you are the writer. It's like whatever you sit upon as your number one elephant, um, like changed your mindset or or molded your mindset based off of that morality complex. And yeah, for me, I learned like I am a big of like do no harm, and to other people, and that's I mean, I literally. Have to do have that oath when I get my white coat, you know, in grad school, I have to say an oath of do no harm. And I think even beyond medicine and and healthcare, I still have that mindset of I'm going to try my best to do no harm to people in my community. And that I think was my biggest driving or my biggest morality um, uh, complex. Um, So when other people's morality complex is different. And again, it's not a bad thing. I think at some point, you know, especially in the beginning, and we're just seeing the destruction of, of so much stuff that, that how can other people not have their highest morality complex to be, do no harm, but that's, that's not very compassionate, that's not very, um, not very, uh, uh, open to other people's opinions and, and experiences. And so I, I definitely had to learn, um, from that, um, that situation of it's okay that other people's morality are guided by other principles. And, and I, I can't think of off the top of my head what the other ones were. Um, but, uh, I really, I, that really, really helped me, um, understand
1: that I'm glad you brought that up. That was Z Dog MD, and that's a, uh, he has podcasts that he does, and he was very good for me through the pandemic because he had a a bit different viewpoint than mine, but he was really basing his stuff on science, and uh, mm-hmm. it gave me, you know, a, a reference point that was mm-hmm. I, I just really appreciated it um, on my way. Through navigating that, and I think that's something mm-hmm. like we're all we're all navigating. There isn't um, one source that's got mm-hmm. it all correct. Um,
0: yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, and to be a little bit more like, compassionate towards uh, that, other people have perspectives, and like you say, then and then I have to have boundaries, and that's that I realized was a big disappointment to me. When my boundaries did not allow me then to help people to the extent that I like to help them.
0: And I think it comes back to like time. I, with, since I don't really have a schedule anymore in my life right now, um, I, and, you know, I hear a lot of people in the, in the philosophical world talk about how time is a construct and like time isn't real. And, and I don't really know much about what they're, um, their philosophy or their hypothesis are regarding that. Um, but I think we, we have this urgency constantly, like we have to do all of it right now. And I think about how many patients I've used to have and like, maybe we didn't quite get what we needed at that time, but then they came back two years and they're like, you know, I'm ready like to do this now. Or, Maybe they don't go back to us, but they went to somewhere else because they what of what we talked about uh, created an an environment that they could think about things and I think that was another thing on our mind is we thought, oh, if we have a two week lockdown, if we just shut everything down and everyone follows the rules and all this stuff, then it's gonna be done, right, and two weeks turn into three years, <laughs> and um i because it's it's more complicated than that, and also again, time like what is time like we have this this constant ruling in our life of we have to fit these timelines, but like life doesn't quite go that in that nice linear timeline, and I think some of that was you know maybe part of our feelings of of the whole pandemic too is like this should be over with, you know, why, you know, they said two weeks and then it just, you know, and like I said, here we are three years later.
1: Yeah. And, and then I watch everybody get back to previous levels of function, I'll call it. And uh, I look at the numbers and they are, it's not zero there. There's um. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've just kind of got used to it, I think. We also have a better immunity. Yeah. So be- between vaccinations yeah. and infections, we're to- tolerating um, the the level of infection and getting on with life. And I appreciate that. But but then I have to decide. Well, what does it look like going forward? Um, and I think it makes me aware of what our patients have dealt with. Any cancer patient, any elder person. Those people were always at risk for infection. I, I remember my mom in the last couple of years of her life, like she didn't want hugs because she knew that if she got sick, <laughs> that was yeah, like going to be that. yeah. Um, yeah. It's easier to pick up things. And we are living in an age where it's there's just going to be more viruses and it's going to be easier to get yeah. sick. Um, We're seeing that at the clinic, you know, we get more cancellations. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Even in the past two weeks, we've had three staff members out sick with different things, not COVID. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think I've said it in the podcast. Haven't I talked about like the Ayurvedic position on pandemic? I'll I'll mention it again really quick that there are four conditions in which pandemic can arise. And that is pollution of the air, pollution of the water, pollution of the land, disruption of time, which is what we're seeing with climate change. So we see that all of these elements are present Mm -hmm. and in those conditions, pandemic can arise. And so we are, as a world, not really addressing those four things. We're trying to get, in fact, you watch it, uh, culture, society just trying to push back into what we did before and so therefore we can know that virus will continue uh, elevated levels of virus will continue until we can contain those other things so yeah and it's a great point because like it's a good reminder that there's more than just wearing a mask
0: and washing your hands and social distancing like to this to this pandemic solution there's social justice reform, there's climate change reform, there's uh, a a much bigger global impact in this. And so it, it's a great reminder of like, okay, maybe we cannot get so upset about mask wearing or something like that. Like um yeah. you know that's that's like our our you know our, what we can control is the mask wearing and the washing the hands and social distancing and choosing whatever we believe to help us with our immune system, but, um, you know, there's so much bigger players in it that we have no control over that, um, that, yeah, and I don't think I've ever thought of it until you just brought that up, of how small we really are in this whole pandemic (laughs) situation yeah that, yeah maybe you don't have to get so upset about that anymore
1: i said it's the group it's the classic example of the group experiment and what why i didn't i never liked group projects in school because they always failed because there was, <laughs> you couldn't corral everybody um and i so rather than get upset about it like i will manage what i can and and that is um you know keeping my immunity strong and reducing my risk of infection and um and I'll do what I can to help with the environment and climate but wow like um I was asked to go to a um a, a meeting in Austria and I said can I attend remotely and they said no so <laughs> So they've moved on. So I think that's like, we haven't learned a lesson that we should find ways to do that. That perhaps they feel like there's, there's presence is required, you know, and they could explain that to me, but um, yeah, well, that was
0: kind of when we were um, attempted to do this meeting yesterday and it just didn't quite work out, you know, uh, Shona was talking about how her partner you know, works for University of Cornell now, or Cornell University, he's not sure which way it goes, um, and how he works from home three days a week, and uh, even if he has, tele, and two other two days a week, he works on campus, and even if he has only telehealth patients through Cornell, he still has to, like, show up into the building, and they can't, like, give him an appropriate excuse of why they want him in the building if, he has, if he, even if he has telehealth patients
1: um,
0: and I don't know if it's like because like we you know all have this old school mentality of you know this is what it's always been and and like we just have to do it this way or you know we invested in these buildings and rent and maintenance so we gotta use them or you know I I don't know what it is I think some people also want to believe that in work now there are certain th- in certain places where work family is is probably closer to each other than other places, and so those people probably thrive on being closer together in the same place. But there's a lot of times you know like, my mom's like I don't want to hang out with any of my of my coworkers after work like it just is work and so um. So I really think it depends on like your culture of your of your work environment. Like if you're trying to force a culture just because you want us to be there, like you don't really have a healthy culture to begin with, you know.
1: Yeah, I've uh I've kind of liked the combination being able to I teach my yoga remotely now and my students want to keep it that way. And what we've done, I just started last month is we did our first in person i call it saturday afternoon live and oh, there you go I, and i thought it was great actually there were things i i saw and could work on in present in person that i couldn't do remotely but there's a lot that we can do remotely and because of the remote yoga i'm able to learn regularly from my yoga teacher who it is not in this community. Otherwise I was only seeing Mm -hmm. her once or twice a year. Now I can see her weekly. So Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that we learn to take advantage of this great tool that we have of the internet um, that we did, that hasn't been there for other pandemics. um, Mm -hmm. And that would, would help the planet not send planes all over the place, you know, that yeah, you're uh, absolutely correct. So, I guess I in the what did we learn and what I'd like to see different, I would like to see more use of the remote stuff. So, I do all my um Vodder teaching now remotely. Uh I haven't mm-hmm. shown up in person and um that allows me to keep the clinic going and keep my hand mm-hmm. in in teaching and that's been that's been a lifesaver. I've, yeah, and I feel like you've been doing more
0: teaching because, like, when I think about my time physically there, how I think you're teaching more now through through uh, remotely than you did even when we didn't we weren't in a pandemic. Um, so the opportunity has definitely um, in, in increased for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've found ways to connect to people while I'm teaching, um, and yeah, I can see where there's a couple of situations where it would be nice to be there. But when I weigh out the cost of travel, the time away, um, the the physical impact of traveling on my health, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard to be. I I've gotten to teach in Taiwan in January, I'm going to do it again in April. And it's all from the comfort of my own home.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. And yeah,
0: but- there's like, you know, it does feel good to be in a group of, of people in an area of like-mindedness that you can kind of rally around. But like, how many times have I been in a situation like that? And we're like, oh yeah, we'll stay in touch. And like, it never happens. Right. Um, and, and you wonder, and going back to like what you were talking about with like the people in Austria told you, like no, you can't do it remotely. Like, like that's a way of like that elitism and like gatekeeping. Like, you know, we're the beholders of the information, and too bad, like you can't join us because we're elite enough to be able to get there. Like, I, I have, I think a lot has opened my eyes recently um, uh, with being in the healthcare system right now. And going through a pandemic of the gatekeeper of and that's not a word but we're going to go with it of <laughs> like people in authority and people in power are like well we need to keep us the gatekeepers and we need to be elite and exclusive so we're just not going to give the information and and in reality like their information is is common sense or or maybe not common sense but it's just I, we have this idea that we need to withhold information because we need to be relevant. And in reality, like the more people that have the information, the more that we can help. And the more um, that overall our life is going to be better. And not just like my life personally, but like us as a society, like our life is going to be better. Um, yeah. And maybe yeah. that comes back to the whole, like, do no harm thing where, where I see how, us gatekeeping information and access to care, access to anything, doesn't have to be healthcare, um, actually hurts us all. And so, um, you know, like what we talked about in the Ayurvedic, um, how colonialism and white supremacy like hurts everybody, not just people of color. And it's like that same mindset of gatekeeping information and withholding just, any type of information is
1: hurts everybody. Yes. The Ayurveda example is a great example because I think had we held on to that model and saw how western medicine and the framework of Ayurveda fit together, I think the health of the world would be entirely different. You know, but Absolutely. You know, well I guess that's another lesson of the pandemic. Wow, we thought we knew the best way. We all thought we knew the best way, yet at this end of it, we see that there were many ways. And where Mm -hmm. else does that lesson apply? And the medical model is a great example of there are several models that if we could find like medical pluralism and really Mm -hmm. let that operate, we could all be better off. Like let Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine operate to its fullest extent. You know, I think of um, Xiaoyuan Huang, who was the acupuncturist at our clinic, and now she's um, d- establishing her own clinic. And um, her knowledge is huge and way underutilized because she her her ability to practice is limited to acupuncture, you know. But she's mm-hmm. got a Western medicine degree as well as um, Chinese medicine as learned in China, so, you know, to a more full extent than, than what they teach here in the States, you know, just as an example.
0: We can apply that to athletics. We can, compl- uh, you know, education. We can apply it to your ability to go to the grocery store and pick certain foods. Like, you know, we can, we can put that same framework on any system that we have in this, in this world.
1: Yeah. I wonder about, um, through the pandemic, you know, early on, you you know, we got together, um, as therapists and made that, uh, that little, um, education module that people could purchase online for, um, Mm -hmm. power up your immunity. And Mm -hmm. that I thought was a really good message and you didn't hear it a grab hold anywhere <laughs> no well that was like
0: kind of what a lot of people were were you know up in arms about of um with the whole lockdown situation of so you're telling me like we need to improve our health but we're gonna close the gyms and we're gonna close like access to an a- avenues that allow us to have health and but yet we're closing them down like that doesn't make sense and so you know I understand why people are upset about that um but I think it also shined light in. well maybe people were using uh those systems of perceived health as a way to not truly look at deep within themselves and see like am I like trying to um what's the word I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to numb myself, you know, with like exercise and other forms of outside help. You know, we we're e- utilizing other people to make us healthy or other people to gain satisfaction from, and not just finding enlightenment and health and through ourselves, you know. And um, you know, that's also kind of like a double-edged sword uh, situation too. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of I think if I could. Um, change like how maybe COVID was talked about from the very beginning because I th- I do believe that if it was talked appropriately enough in the beginning I think we would not necessarily be in the situation we are right now um, mm-hmm. you know in the beginning they really talked about like it's just a respiratory cold and and it's like the flu and and we're really finding no like this is a neurological disease this is affects every organ system in our body when it comes to the 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 worst of it you know i think 25 percent of people who had covid now have long haulers disease and i think if it was talked about when we if it got more information and then we talked about it i think that would have changed people's opinions about what COVID is then also pressing like pushing the message of not only do we need to wear masks and wash hands and social distance, but we also need to keep our immunity up. And that's going for a walk, being outside, eating fruits and vegetables, like trying to limit processed food as much as we can. Um, so that whole holistic uh, idea of healthcare was definitely limited in the beginning for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, and you bring up another subject, which is that, like, Long COVID or post viral syndrome, and I do a, I've prepared a whole talk for that for uh, therapists, uh, mm. and feel strong that you know manual lymph drainage can be a helpful thing, but that we uh, we should be talking about that more. Um, you know, Isaac at the clinic. He he recognized early on the problem, and he really took a lot of heat, and he took heat in the community for it, mm-hmm. and even from yeah medical providers, which was shocking. But he, I do remember that. Yeah, um, it and those medical providers being in denial to the very thing like that you're that you're proposing right now, that the hey this this may have long term consequences to our health, and if you looked to history. Um, the nineteen eighteen pandemic did demonstrate that it did have um impact on the culture, you know, like there was increased institutionalization in mental hospitals ten years following the nineteen eighteen pandemic because it had a an effect on mental mental health and probably on brain function, which they're finding with mm-hmm. with uh, covid. And mm-hmm. surprisingly, even though, what is it, 16 million Americans are dealing with long COVID, um, you still have a hard time finding a doctor that will uh, recognize it and diagnose it and help someone deal with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, wow, we just don't learn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) definitely the frustrating part. Like, we don't learn because I think, admitting that you're wrong or admitting that I don't know something is really hard for successful people right or really for anybody but you know I feel with successful people who you know feel like they need that they have to prove themselves constantly and improve or improve their intelligence or their knowledge like is a hindrance there of like if I say that I don't know then and I need help with from other people like that seems like a failure when in reality it's not. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of us would actually appreciate when higher up people actually admit when they're wrong more often. Yeah. Um, instead of doubling down on on whatever their insecurities are, right? Um, and I think what's really hard and like so um uh when people are like given new information that is not so tangible, it's like really hard for them to be like oh yeah I'm gonna dive deep into this like with the traveling that I've been doing like I'm talking to a lot of people about of course this is we heard here I'm a physical therapist like well I have this problem wait like how could I help and I'm like well like if you've done this, this and, like the traditional stuff of exercise PT and injections or medication and it's not helping like we need to look beyond and that means we have to bring in Eastern medicine and western medicine and people who are ability to talk to you. And that's like really hard for people to be like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna try something that no no one talks about. Um because I I just don't I push it pushes against my belief system. And like I had we had a Kurt had um a friend who had contracted COVID, like, right in the beginning, like, maybe a few months after the pandemic started, and he, like, really struggled with his recovery, um, and he was telling us all about it, and um, and I'm, like, oh, like, you need to come to the clinic, like, we have acupuncture, we have mental health, we have uh, manual lymph drainage, all that stuff that I think would be really helpful, and um, because of how this disease affects your body afterwards, and Unfortunately, he just, like, he never came, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so it's just, I think it's really hard for people to to potentially um, do things that go against, like, their belief system of, like, MDs and allopathic medicine is the way to go. Um, and they know all the information, but in reality, like, we're all learning all this information together at the same time.
1: Yeah, it was a great science experiment where there we mm-hmm. didn't know in the beginning and so we had to apply logic and fact finding and so as time went on our understanding developed and there were always people who were like well that doesn't jive with what you said in the beginning so you were wrong mm-hmm. so yeah. i would love to see um uh, better education or you know to help people understand the scientific method and that this was the scientific method in action, and that over time we did learn. The other point you bring up, when educated people are in that process, it is uncomfortable to realize, wow, what I said there was wrong. So uh, let me correct myself. Um, So some of these educated people were saying, oh, COVID's not a problem, we should all just get back together. Instead, I would have liked to hear it is a problem, how can we get back together? Mm -hmm. And and, um, because it was a problem and it is a problem for for people who have the lingering long COVID symptoms. And you know what, it is a problem for the people who lost people (laughs) because the U.S. had some of the highest death rates in the world. So, uh, you know, maybe we could have, I don't know if we could have tweaked some, something um, so that, people could have had their freedom, but not um, at the expense of other people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then on the flip side of that, I look at like, you know, the, I think China's the other extreme where they lock people down so severely, and then they were unready for when they did, did allow people to move about. They hadn't, mm-hmm. you know, where our country did spend time on antivirals and vaccinations to to make it as safe as we could once we once we were mingling again there wasn't any best way to do it but we can you know the outcomes of these different strategies maybe if we had somehow uh used a little bit of both more strategically the our outcomes wouldn't have been so severe uh so i i think because we didn't say this is a problem, what can we do differently? We lost the opportunity like to improve the ventilation in our schools because schools are just a big petri dish to spread things. And here we are in our area, like they're having a, a, a tiny... Um, epidemic it's not an epidemic but I don't know what you call it when it's just local like this where norovirus is going through the schools Mm -hmm. what could we have done different for our schools to make them less of that petri petri dish um Mm
0: -hmm. and a lot of that like Kurt and I have been talking a lot about how um like we noticed it uh, on in like the softball world which is a very small world um of, like, well, if your family and your higher-ups in your family, like, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, like, if they are in their privacy of their own home, like, and I'm going to use this word, like, shitting on on other people in your life that has some authority over you, or at least uh, in a, and not authority in a bad way, just, like, a coach or a teacher or a principal or a, a health care provider and uh their family is in the their private own home just constantly bashing on these people then yeah. then kids are going to be like well i i'm you don't have authority over me like my parents say this or my family says this and who are you to say that i have to follow your instructions or and you know, I'm reading a book right now about um, sleep, and they have a section about how brain development happens with sleep with adolescence. And it, it starts, like your brain starts maturing from the back to the front. And so, you know, the back is like your spatial, like awareness and your seeing, and, and then your front of your brain is your critical thinking skills. And so, you know, we, that's the last thing to develop as we are in adolescence and early adulthood. And of course they're like easier to be, um, not manipulated, but easily like to use emotions to get kids and, and teenagers to be like on that emotional side of, of, of logic thinking, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, and so that's really hard too, is, you know, and especially I, I, I've been seeing so much video of, of school boards just having a, such a difficult time of like getting any support right now. So you're like, if they could even get funding for like for teachers or or the necessities that you need in in a school environment, like, of course, we're not going to get funding for proper ventilation and PPP or PPE Ugh. like equipment and all that stuff like it's it is such a hard hard right now for um, to get any community on board to better like our our world um, and then that's a biased thinking right now like that's emotional bias thinking because I see a lot of it on the news and on social media of just how much um, uh, school boards and city council meetings are are hotly content, uh, contested. So, um, and that's my bias and I'm, I'm going to admit my bias. So um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's really hard.
1: Um, Yeah. You wonder how the pandemic affected that whole, because it's certainly what we're not saying. <laughs> this has been very politicized, a health issue that's been very yeah. oh. politicized <laughs> and it yes. it, re- it yes. reflects how uh, decimated our public health system has become. Um, mm-hmm. So, I guess I would like us as a as a society to recognize that and to put funding to public health and public health education. So, for the next pandemic, we're we're better prepared mm-hmm. for that. That we can maybe go at it with a little bit more logic about okay, let's all just step back and real let- until we figure out how this one's transmitted. And then now we know how to move forward based on how it's transmitted. And then we can open up sooner and we could do it in a way that's yeah.
0: safe. Especially like, with again, with this traveling that I've been doing and how many people, it doesn't even have to be a health situation. Like it's, it's when we're in the trailer, in the, in the RV park, you know, and when we're out driving around or. When we're waiting in line at the farmer's market like people have no awareness of other people and, and spatial awareness around them like how many times we've been waiting at a booth at a farmer's market and someone just like someone cuts us because they have no awareness about anything around them but themselves and when they're driving their rvs or their trailers and they get so close to other trailers just because like that's where I want to put my trailer and that's like you just have to live with it. And you're like, wait, 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 like can, can we have some awareness of other people surrounding us? But there's some people like that just don't, and whether it's um they don't have the skills or they really don't care. And I think what you know, my bias and my gut reaction is like they just don't care about other people. But in reality, maybe they just don't know. Like they don't know how to have awareness of other people outside of them for whatever reason mm-hmm. um so it kind of goes back to again having compassion for other people with doing the best they can with what they have yeah
1: um
0: giving them the benefit of the doubt unless like you know you've had a conversation with them multiple times and they continue to not be considerate in in whatever regard um and i think it goes back to again that elephant and rider scenario of like what morality complex like rules your life and if it's not do no harm to other people like that's not your your priority it's a different type of priority that um that you might have and um and that's okay like we have to learn how to live with other people's morality drivers um
1: just even discussing this like gives me some of the angst that I, you know, remember during yeah. the height of that. Of yeah, And yeah. I think one of the things that guided me through it was to, to remember as humans, we all have commonalities and to look for those. Mm-hmm. And that is like, we all yeah. love, you know, we have people that are important to us and we, um, we want the best for, our, ourselves and the people that we love, um, and we celebrate the good things like weddings and opportunities to get together, and um, and to focus on our commonalities. I think that's one of the things that I I learned to not let myself get swept up in anything that promotes division, and and so I get along now with uh, just about all my patients even though we might hold different views because when it comes to the Mm -hmm. basic things about being human we're all the same there
0: Mm -hmm. and I think finding that you know connection um is you know if you think about the top 10 things that makes us healthier you know, it's you know nutrition and exercise and sleep and all that stuff, but also one of the top ones is connection. And the more isolated we are um, as an individual, the less healthy we tend to be. So, it's like we do have to find connections, common connections, that um, to make sure that we keep that um, that isolation away and improve our health through that lens too.
1: Yeah, that that. Boy, that was a lesson in COVID is that isolation has its health costs and that mm-hmm. it is important to find ways to get together and do it mm-hmm. safely. And yep. you know, we can do that. So I, cause I do know that there are still people who are strongly isolating and I, you know, I think it, it would be worthwhile going ahead and wearing a mask and getting out if they feel like it's so scary. Those masks, they work. Um, even if a person were to get sick, it reduces the, the viral load so that that the illness that they get is a little easier to fight off. They don't, the amount of viral load they get is easier to fight off, get back out there and engage in life. So, yeah, I have said, I do, I do kind of like some things about how our, our country, um, manage the pandemic and that was looking for ways to get out and get back together sooner than later and to do it safely because I know there are some cultures that just ignored it and went back at it (laughs) all together and so there's this acceptance of illness and death (laughs) um
0: Yeah, and that's the one I I haven't looked up recently what the stats are of how many people have officially died from COVID lately. Um, I think what's what's really fascinating about that is, you know, it's over a million. I know that. And like, if we think about if anything else has killed over a million people, you know, it, it, we, I think people would have more sympathy over it. And unfortunately, like some people believe that that number is wrong because it's because the hospital got more money if they labeled a death of on COVID or they labeled um, uh, treatment, you know, under COVID. And so people believe like, oh, they really died of this, but the numbers are being inflated. And and you can believe that, you know, I, I also hope that um, people, can have compassion for what's happening you know with loved ones and in the healthcare workers and stuff like that um but it's really sad that i think i remember when the first like hundred thousand people died um you know they had uh, the wall street journal or the new york times or someone or the washington post someone like that you know printed every single name of every single death like in the paper and then now we're over a million and like we don't talk about it anymore, and
1: yeah.
0: that's terrifying. Like a million people dying from this virus, and we just are not as up in arms about it. Like it's kind of like the uh, I was too young to understand, you know, the AIDS epidemic, and you know, where is that? Um, and there was a, obviously the AIDS epidemic was was there's a lot to it because there's a sexuality and a a racial discrimination difficulties that surrounded the AIDS epidemic. Um, But people really rallied around it and was like, we're going to do something about this because people are dying these horrific deaths um, over something that can be prevented and can be treated now. And, you know, the quickness that they found uh, medication to prevent um, viral transmission and, and viral loads and all of that that have allowed people from going from a death sentence to being able to live a full life um was quick and it's because people gave a shit and they went and rallied around it right and now like you know I don't know what the numbers um were for the first three years of of once AIDS became a thing um you know I don't know how many people died within those first three years but you know here we are Over a million people in America alone have died of COVID in three years and like we're still all complaining to each other about who was right and who was wrong. Um, It's actually really sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. And people do continue to die. Um, Right now they had Mm -hmm. an, I don't know where it was, an outbreak in a nursing home and like a huge number of the people in the nursing home died. And even before Mm -hmm. COVID, Uh, this was happening with the flu. So the whole protocols Mm -hmm. of insisting on masking during flu outbreaks at nursing homes, that was a thing um, before. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's that. Let us learn to be compassionate with each other and to be careful. Like Prevention is so much easier than treatment. We, We live in a time where, we're gonna have to have a heightened sense of of care for cleanliness and um, viral hy- uh, um, respiratory hygiene, or we're gonna hurt those around us, uh, mm-hmm. or we can just be a little careful and and get on with life. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not ignore and get on with life. But I'm kind of thinking that's a human response is to pretend something's not there. We tolerate things like, you know, I know a lot of attention is placed on mass shootings, but more, more um, suicides are happen with mm-hmm. guns. Those are the, the, the largest group of gun deaths is suicide, you know, yeah. we tolerate yeah. mm-hmm. um, instead yeah. of talking about, wow, what can we, what could we do about it to mm-hmm. help each other out? and to be compassionate with each other. Maybe it's a trend right now in our culture in a lot of areas too, because I could apply it to women's health too. And wow. Um, In summary, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we opened up a pustule and found a lot of pus.
0: (laughs) Yeah, oh, absolutely.
1: Like, right? Like, oh.
0: Sometimes I feel when we finish these conversations, it's like, I'm like, oh, my, that insecurity of, oh, my gosh, I was all, all over the place. Did anyone really learn anything? And then every time that I, we, like, we listen to it so I can edit and and put it all together, it's like, oh, no, like, this had lots of great tidbits. And, yeah, it might have been, like, unorganized, but, like, really some good stuff, you know, is there. So, um, so we can definitely take a lot of the things that we talked about and expand even more.
1: Yeah, I get I think the way you clean the wound is with kindness and compassion and knowing your boundaries, Mm -hmm. like we mentioned that Mm -hmm. and take personal responsibility moving forward to help make the world a better place. So that's what I got. (laughs) Beautiful. I like it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode.
0: Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions, and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now, here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions P-L-L-C. That P-L-L-C is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.